Good morrow and welcome to the weekly AEW News Kick, your weekly dose of AEW action. I am not joined by Patrick. I am joined again by producer Jack Griffin. You've been introduced first today and no mean comments. Is it your birthday? Um, not quite. That's all. Well, I mean, being my brother, you should know my, must, my birthday. Must, is. Feel, must feel. You think I listen to that shit? <laughs> Five months time, my birthday. Just Why would I remember the day my life was ruined? <laughs> it's always nice when my brother's nice to me, and then he goes and ruins it by being like this. So, and then I now I'm just spoil bad. <laughs> it all. Uh, we are also joined by. It's going to be a bumpy one. We're joined by our friend and professional family bathing cohabitor, Liam. Hello, I hate hot tubs. <laughs> you hate hot tubs. It's just bathing with your family. That's a bit as of we com- have established. I was about to say, that's a bit of context for any new listeners. If you've not gone back and listened to our archive, Liam last was should. on. Yeah. Liam last was on for the, I can't remember if it was a special, some sort of no, dynamite. No, it's a regular really. episode. Yeah, it was just a regular episode, but Liam's quite an iconic character in our little <laughs> in podcast the law, now. The WNK so, law. Yeah, so if you've, if you've not met Liam before and you want a bit of context to why he is such a controversial person on the podcast, <laughs> check out... Bathing with my family, a W Dynamite review by us. It's on Spotify. It's, it's the mild incest. That's why it's controversial. <laughs> Arguably one of my favourite episodes, though. Which? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it was it was good stuff. That's why we've we've got him back. Damn the censors <laughs> and the sponsors, of which we have none. Um, <laughs> how's everybody's week been? Yeah, I've been sound. I've been sound. You know, just doing regular stuff. Pubs are back open, so I've been to the pub. Had a sunk a couple of bevies. It's been lovely. Sunk a couple of bevies. Lovely. Lovely jubbly. Liam, how have you been? Since we last spoke, actually. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I've been okay. Just been watching NXT and AEW and working and playing football manager and crying because I can't seem to take Burnley to the Champions League. <laughs> Completed it, mate. <laughs> Took Crawley Town to the Champions League in six seasons. Was it Crawley? <laughs> no, anyway, Woking. That's, Woking. That's Woking. That's a, that's a reference, not a lot of... Uh, <laughs> People outside of the UK will get. But yeah, no, uh, I have also been watching a lot of wrestling. My life's kind of been revolving. Got a new fridge today. So that's my Mom big news. told me, yeah. Fridge freezer. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's a sign of how old you're getting when stuff like that excites you. <laughs> I'm Is like, it oh, I've got, I've got rooms for all my. Yeah, I mean, the freezer's nearly as big as the fridge. So I've got rooms for all my frozen well, meals. What? Well, so much money. Does it have one of them. Um, Installed in it the water thing, you know, when you the with the ice, no, the ice machine. Of course, it fucking doesn't. This is England. What are you fucking <laughs> Billy Buffalo? It's fucking. <laughs> That's my lifelong dream to own one of them fridge freezers that has one of them. I would have completed life if I get one of them. Completed life. Got an ice cube tray. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. You just need one of the ice machines. You, uh, you bougie motherfucker. <laughs> right, shall we launch into uh, launch into dynamite? Let's do it. Starting off the show, we had Hangman Page versus Ricky Starks, a battle of two rising stars, in my opinion. Uh, let's come to Liam, guest first. What did you make of this match? I thought it was a good TV match for what it was. I noticed that they played off the Starks foot quote-unquote injury that he gained during the match but i really like that that was i mean that's something that's i think is 
missing too much in modern American wrestling is the kind of limb targeting and and like telling a story about about isolating a you know an injury throughout throughout a match. AEW are quite good with it, but other promotions not so much. The thing that I don't say I didn't like about it, but I found a bit unusual was that that seems something that in traditional wrestling, even like the babyface had have the injury rather than the heel, so it seemed a bit weird to have the wrongs reverse and to have Starks try to like, not have the sympathy but just do what in the past babyface was to have something sympathetic it just felt a bit weird seeing the roles reversed but obviously it added to the match it added to the drama and although added to the finish as well because it, I don't know if this is going to be the start of a new submission finisher for Hangman but you know mm-hmm. it, it utilised quite a surprising finish and, I mean it wasn't surprising that Hangman would win I think that was a foregone conclusion but the method of which you know a submission victory was was pretty nice I think yeah, I say it added to the match, you know, like, and it made it a lot more interesting. Like you said, although the win was a foregone conclusion, it obviously it did help. And I like the spot at the end with the Dark Order coming out to save Handman, but I wish they'd do more with it because we know that they get on. But is this all it's going to be for weeks where one helps each other out, or is the storyline actually going to go anywhere? Yeah, and uh, I think his undefeated streak, while. I don't think it necessarily put the result in any question. It added flavour to the match. Do you know what I mean? So it was. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a really, really good opener. I think it's probably the third batch, third best match of the night for me. Which is for an opener is quite a strong, quite a strong start. Jack, how did how did how fare thee with this match? Yeah, um, I I enjoyed this match as well. I, I seem to always like. <laughs> This reminds me of when I used to watch Britain's Got Talent, where you used to like the opener, but the opener would never be the one to win. So in this instance, I like the opener, but it was never going to be match at night. But for what it was, to open the show, to break you into dynamite for the week, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought I liked both of these um, for different reasons. I thought they worked well. I like to see this sort of, hopefully, fingers crossed storyline kind of going somewhere. I agree with Liam where it kind of seems to be a bit like what's going to happen. Obviously... It seems like where they keep on mentioning Hangman being the... Well, the, the point of this match is obviously Ricky Starks was number two, one of your number three in the rankings. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a rankings battle, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure he's number two, actually. So it's kind of... I think so, with that 12-match undefeated streak. There you go, yeah. So it was kind of a battle for first, um, first ranking. And yeah, I think... I don't know whether I know. Know we say it all the time on the podcast, but double or nothing being the Hangman versus Kenny next rematch. I don't know if it's too soon, but I would look forward to it if it was. Um, but yeah, in terms of match, good match. Not too much to say um, unless you're doing a play by play. But from my point of view, solid opener. You know I am, but just to uh, comment first about double or nothing. I can see them putting uh, Kenny against someone else for double or nothing, especially with the fallout. For, I, I think they're... I mean, they seem to be... I think the the build-up for the world title match at uh, double or nothing will be fairly late on in in, in the run-up to double or nothing because I think they're saving that for after Rebellion. Do you know what I mean? With... Um, because, I mean, Kenny Omega might not even be... I mean, he will. But he might not even be the uh, AEW champion after Rebellion. So, they're, you know, they're um, sowing those seeds of doubt, which is good. It's the way to do it. Um, if if they do insert Hangman into that match and not Pac or whoever, as I've heard, like, bad about, um, I think it would be good to have Hangman lose again. 
um, and then have him have to further embrace the friendship of the Dark Order, which he's still sort of on the periphery with. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to and friendship is the key, you know, to uh, to to his to his dreams. Uh, yeah, I will just give you a a quick play by play. That's what people tune in for. So started out with Ricky Stark saying he thrives under pressure like a diamond in in a little promo as he entered. Um, the match started. Ricky went around the waist as the two locked up. The Hangman got the advantage after some chain wrestling. Starks went for the crossbody, but gets slammed down by Hangman, who gains some advantage. Hangman misses with a clothesline off the second rope, but follows up with a slingshot crossbody to the outside. Uh, hits a nice fallaway pump handle slam. Hangman, that is. Uh, the momentum kind of shifted to Ricky after he dry he drives a running page into the second rope. Um, we're reminded of Ricky Stark's winning streak at this point, and Taz is on commentary concerned uh, about Stark's grabbing his leg, which was a nice touch because obviously it was exposition for for the match finish. Um, Hangman hit another fallaway slam, uh, a different variation, followed by a brainbuster. I mean, this was this brainbuster city this dynamite, I think. Uh, Ricky Starks evaded the slide and lariat. Hangman tried to get him up for the dead eye off the turnbuckle, but Ricky reversed it into a sit out powerbomb. The two went up to the top rope, but Hangman hit the avalanche fallaway slam, his third fallaway slam variation of the night. To be honest, I think he went to that well a little too much, but the variations were nice. Uh, Ricky kicked out of a strong lariat from Hangman, and Hangman attempted the buckshot. Uh, there was back and forth reversals until Hangman hit a headlock takedown into a potential new submission, as we spoke about, um, taking advantage of the ankle injury from earlier, which I thought was great storytelling. Um Taz gets up after the match, tells Paige that he needs to watch his back, literally, and then our Lord and Saviour Hook uh, attacked attack Paige from behind, and then Cage came out and made it a three-on-one because uh, Paige was looking like he could battle back a little bit, but then the Dark Order came out to make the save, so they are still... His fr- he has friends in dark places, as the T-shirt says, and commentary keeps reminding his thoughts on the on the stuff after the match and kind of, I mean, where does this go? Is he in the dark order? Is he not in the dark order? There's been no kind of official confirmation. He's just still kind of dark order adjacent, I suppose, which is kind of what they did with Colt Cabana. And then just one day they were like, oh yeah, he's in the dark order with like no fanfare. Has this Brian Cage team task rift stopped now because he come out to help? Ricky Starks and Hook, like, there was no, you know, like, I don't know the word, I don't want to say feud, but tension. Like, it's just like it's all being water under the bridge and they're on good terms now. Like, there was no hesitation or anything like that. So I don't know whether that's been dropped or whatever. I don't think it'll been dropped. I think it will just be another example of one of AEW's big flaws in that they just don't acknowledge things for weeks and then come back to it. They do more often than not come back to it. It's just they'll just not acknowledge storylines for weeks on end. Whereas, you know, I like to kind of... I think the, I, I honestly think the good parts of the Attitude Era, I know we, we compare stuff to it a lot, but I think the good parts of it were all about hitting the story notes every week. Do you know what I mean? You had that Stone Cold update every week. You had, you know, you had the, you had the updates of the storylines every single week, whereas AEW, they kind of, you know, forget about stuff for too long. And I think that's where they're lacking in the storyline department. But, you know, um, I, I do think we'll, I do think they'll come back to that for sure. 
Next up, we had the Elite arriving, and they are referring to them as the Elite, despite the fact it's all of them. Not much to say about that, so I'll move swiftly on. However, I do think it's interesting that they are referring to the five of them, including Gallows and Anderson, as the Elite. The next match, however, was Pentagon versus Penta El Cero M, should I say, versus Trent. Um, Jack, thoughts on this? Well, first off, before you uh, launch into it, uh, thoughts on Penta's new music? Because he came out to new music, didn't he? And speaking of music, Trent came... Sorry, Trent? Came out to uh, Best Friends OG music rather than Orange Cassidy's music, which they had Chris Statlander coming out to, which was... It's kind of confusing, isn't it? Um, but yeah, thoughts on the entrance music choices and then the match itself. Yeah, um, I've, I for one was happy to hear the Best Friends theme come back instead of just using where are you, uh, where is my mind by pixies uh, ocs and apparently chris statlander's music now oh didn't it yeah it is odd but it's nice to because they do have a good theme they know fans like that theme like the amount of times me and you go to each other we're like bow chicken bow chicken bow chicken best friends like well, it's just, chris statlander specifically sorry to cut you off chris statlander's uh music on the indies was et by katie perry and if they're getting licensed music now. I mean, that was always a banger for her, and it kind of fit her character quite well, obviously. Mm. So I don't know if that's a, a potential avenue. But yeah, music definitely, with the point. yeah, music's definitely an interesting choice of wrestling. I like to, if I'm honest, I do like them mixing it up. I don't mind it. To be fair, I like the new Penta music as well. I think that's quite cool. Um, yeah, because obviously, usually comes out of Lucha Bros um, theme um, and or the Death Triangles one. It's nice that they, he has his own individual one because he seems to be doing more single stuff um, which is odd because because he seems like he's got a solo storyline but he's referencing death triangle don't mess with death triangle this mm, stuff like yeah they mentioned that in the and in, in, it's just i know that rift is very bizarre to me I, 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 place, have, yeah. I have to assume some of these weird choices and riffs have to be about people's availability during covid because they were taping mm. blocks of episodes at once and if they're returning to live every week we might see a bit more consistency um, but I, I'm, assu- I'm assuming that plays some sort of factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good take to be fair. Cause, but this one was was live. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying maybe I know what you and, mean. Yeah, and, but uh, it's... Pack weren't there. Do you know? Yeah. they couldn't be there or something. You know? Yeah, so, definitely maybe a they've good got to take. Wrap it up. It's a good take to have, which obviously not many people really realise. And maybe that's something we'll see as well, even when they go back, because you know one of the best things the rest to say about working for AEW is the flexibility working. Um, and that seems to be something they definitely accommodated due to uh, COVID. So it's kind of a nice take. But on the match in general, one of the... Obviously, again, you'll do a play-by-play, and then you'll come to Liam on his thoughts. So I'm just going to go for one bit. Do you guys fucking that... hate my play-by-play? Sounds really, aggra- <laughs> sounds really passive-aggressive when you're like, of course, no, but no, no, you'll but... do a play-by-play. <laughs> no, but you do it so well, so there's no point me trying to butcher something that happened in a match. But anyway... Give it a go. No, what, what I wanted to say... <laughs> <laughs> was um, excellent child no <laughs> no but alex abrahantas that's what i wanted to talk about because he seems, <laughs> he seems like he's want to make a wish <laughs> like something <laughs> like, he just seems like his make a wish is be like can i be penta's manager he seems to absolutely be relishing this opportunity seems like he doesn't well no he doesn't fit but he does i mean i think it just it's, natural heel. I just find it hilarious, like just him there, and he seemed to be like a hype man for Penta when he came out and stuff. <laughs> just every every part of Alex Abrahantas for this kind of this match, just I found hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. I like him though, like 
Yeah, I, I, I do I, like but, but while I think he's a natural heel, I do think, and I've got some big criticisms partially involving him about this match. I do think he, I do think AEW have beaten it to death a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, they are. But I, I like it because he's been used a bit more than you know he was. It's always nice that they do that. They accommodate clearly, and it's it's nice that Penta can now give these promos instead of having to try and like have that kind of ah oh, he doesn't give many promos because you know obviously speaking different language it's nice he comes out yeah, of it and then... maybe they're just I mean Geordie was never the best choice to <laughs> translate to English you'd have to have a translator for his translator do you know what I mean it's true it's He's true Spanish Spanish to Geordie and Geordie to English <laughs> <laughs> but no um, that's that's the big take I wanted to say just I wanted to you know Alex Abrahenta's uh, appreciation from me I think he just I thoroughly enjoyed watching him throughout this match and he wasn't even in the match he was on the side well he got involved obviously during it when you do the play by play you'll mention it but Alex Abrahenta's appreciation that's what I want to say I'll do the play by play now and get that out of the way before we come to oh do you have to I'm joking <laughs> you got a problem I'll take this outside <laughs> um, we because uh, I do have some criticisms of this match actually and uh, as I said before so if I do the play by play and then say them then uh, Liam can respond or give a rebuttal if he disagrees but uh yeah so i well first off i like that they're announcing <laughs> trent is getting announced as trent like even and you notice excalibur was doing it every time he said it as well just the slightest accent of a question mark it was brilliant um trent got the up hand early on with a kind of meteora they called it like a double high knee but i think i think it was technically a meteora for, followed by a backdrop uh, Penta escaped the ring and evaded Trent's first tope, but not the second, which I liked. He did that a couple of times during the match. That was one of the positives for me, where you saw him going for moves, failing, and then trying them again later. And it wasn't like there was a botch and then a recovery. It was like storytelling. Um, Trent? I'm not going to do that every time, actually. <laughs> Trent was uh, going hard, but then he gets put down by the sling blade. They get into a strike fest, and Trent hit the swinging DDT on his second attempt. Again, that was that was him going for something earlier, not getting it, and then going to it again. Penta kind of killed his flurry, though, with a massive Canadian Destroyer, and I was a big fan of them actually selling the damage of the Canadian Destroyer because it's just become a, a you know a move that's part of every wrestler's repertoire, um, and and people selling the Canadian Destroyer like a fucking weak clothesline just gets my goat. So I like that it was it was the move, the desperation move he went to to kind of stop this offense from Trent and and put them both down for a while. Um, slowed down as it does during the ad break. Um, oh, I have a big criticism. I'm going to come back to it, but it's something about Jr. What Jr. did during the ad break was unforgivable for me, but. Uh, I'm going to go full Jim Cornette in a minute. We'll come back to it. <laughs> we had a nice running knee from Trent, backstabber from Penta. Uh, Tony Schiavone said something else as well, which was, I've got a big problem with the commentary. That's my main problem. It was it was non-wrestling elements that ruined this for me. But uh, we'll come to that again at the end. Um, but Penta went for the apron package pile driver. It was reversed, and he got a taste of his own medicine as Trent hit the pile driver on the side, and then a spear outside the ring. Uh, Penta, the the whole Penta says thing during the match came up. Um, Alex Abrahantes, as you say, got on the got on the mic. This was my third problem with this match. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's I think that was pretty much it, wasn't it? It was a uh, he he distracted him, and Penta got the. Uh, I think Orange Cassidy got involved, and and then Penta, but Penta ended up because of this taking advantage of the distraction, getting the package power drive for the win, I believe. Um, 
but yeah, my problems with this match. Firstly, I, I I feel like Penta was going through the motions a little bit. He's very, very good, even when he's just, you know, um, not giving his all to a match. He's great. That's the thing. But you can tell. And I think I think Trent was going at a bit of a tempo that Penta wasn't willing to meet him at for whatever reason. Um, and you could see Trent was just coming straight out of the blocks trying to prove himself with his first match back. Um but it was very promising what I saw from Trent. He's clearly, you know, he's clearly 100%. So, um, but that's a minor criticism. My main criticism, as I say, with the non-wrestling elements. Firstly, JR. Okay, my big first problem with the commentary was JR breaking kayfabe uh, during the ad break for the international audience. And Penta, Penta chopped the post, chopped the ring post because, um, because Trent moved out of the way. And JR says the post no sold him, which was just it's like obviously that's a that's an insider term, and like I don't know I just don't expect that from JR. And I, like I said, I'm no I'm no cornet. Do you know what I mean about this stuff? But I think this went a bit beyond AEW's usual wink wink nudge nudge. Um, Tony Schiavone had a bit of kind of more forgivable uh, commentary issue where he was surprised that Penta was going for the package pile driver on the um on the on on the apron when we've seen this when he we've seen him at least attempt this move at least half a dozen times now so I I can't really buy that you know Tony's like what, what was he going for that like of course he fucking was you know he was shut up like and uh lastly the Penta says thing during the match felt incredibly shoehorned and if you notice during the during the break, uh, Alex Abrahantes opened his opened his hoodie to reveal the shirt, the Pentasez shirt, and and this at the end of the match just felt like it felt like a, just a nothing segment to try and insert his catchphrase into into the match and try and you know because it's become a meme and uh, and and like yeah because well, he didn't even have anything good to say. He was like Pentas says because he told me before the match that blah, blah, blah. And it was just cheap heat and your mama. Like, come on. I just, I just, I felt like it was, yeah, dumb cheap heat to try and, try and shoehorn in his catchphrase. Um, yeah, not my, not my match of the night by a long shot. Liam, your response. Sorry for rambling on a little bit. I need to apologise. You basically said everything that I was going to say anyway, to be honest. I thought that the, as you said, the your mum thing was very, I don't want to say on AEW-like, but it's not something I'd normally expect from them. Or I'd normally, if they were going to do it, I'd, I thought like, they'd maybe go a different route or maybe have him say something about a member of the best friends, but to have him say, oh, yeah, your mum this, it just felt like being back in the school playground. And but with how, yeah, exactly, like with how lazy it was, it, with, how la- with, with how lazy it was, it was just, it was just, like I said, it that makes me feel like it was just, just to get his catchphrase in. Yeah. And um, the other thing as well, which isn't related to the match or anything in the slightest, and I know I've seen this a lot on the internet, and I think it was mentioned amongst yourselves in a previous podcast, it's weird to see Penta as a heel, whereas he's aligned with Death Triangle, who Pac and Phoenix are both currently faces. So it's like, you know, are they a face group or they a heel group? Because it just feels weird having a heel being the same quote-unquote faction with three people, so I don't know whether that's actually a faction, but have, like, two faces and a heel in the same group, if that makes sense. It just doesn't work out. Without explanation opinion. either, without any, like, backstage segments between Death Triangle. Yeah, exactly. With them being yeah. like, what are you playing at? Do you know what I mean? Although, 
I see. See, I think the problem with that is I don't think Pack would really have that much of a problem with it. He gives me. I mean, they like you say they they are kind of facing all their rivalries, but I do get tweener vibes from them, where he's just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to go beat people up. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, um, and and obviously Phoenix doesn't really have a mouthpiece aside from Alex Abrahantes to be able to have a pro a kind of confrontation in English with his brother. But alas, yeah, I. It was it was a swing and a miss this match for me to be honest. Even though there were some very fun spots, and even though both men are clearly talented, it just it just didn't really come together. Next up, we had Jr. talking to the Pinnacle uh, backstage. MGF says that Jericho might be right about the scarf thing about you know uh, you know it's old and tried, and so because he said as it's old and haggard, kind of alluding to the fact that uh, Jericho is old and haggard. And that Tully's bought him a new silk scarf. I like that JR was like, oh yeah, it's nice. And he was like feeling it. Um, Wardlow got a chance to talk, which I noticed a theme going on here because they gave Jake Hager some mic time as well later on in uh, in the response. So the big men were kind of getting their, uh, their turn on the mic. Um, Wardlow was mentioning how... Uh, okay, so first off, I wasn't a big fan of the meta talk during the promo, like them them actually acknowledging promos and it was a good promo game and complimenting them on a good promo. Again, this is one of my big problems with AEW, but um, it's kind of, it, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a Jim Cornette about it, but this is kind of a wanton disregard of kayfabe to me, to be honest, and it's detrimental to the product. Anyway, um, Wardlow mentions how uh, as soon as Jericho said, the moment he said Wardlow, came out of his mouth uh he knew he was doing something wrong by criticizing him i quite like that to be honest i quite liked um i mean i rate wardlow as it is so um i you know more of him can only be a good thing because i think he's been underutilized after what we saw of him in the in the uh eliminator tournament he says uh jericho oh no mjf sorry not wardlow says that jericho has been this was a really kind of brutal scathing uh factoid i think here he said that jericho's been uh latching on to wrestlers that people already want to see and then acting like he's given them the magic jericho rub and i was like Oof, that is that is uh that is a hot take mjf and uh and mentioned that MJF is the one guy he couldn't hold under his thumb. This was, and then he got very passionate his promo towards the end. Um, obviously, they're trying to one up each other, which not sure if Jericho one upped his uh, Jericho. Sorry, not sure if MJF one up Jericho's promo from last week, but Jericho definitely didn't one up this promo later in the night. But we'll talk about this. Jack, thoughts on this promo with uh, MJF and the Pinnacle? Yeah, you men- mentioned all the best bits. So um... I've got to stop doing that, haven't I? I'll come to you first <laughs> next time. Yeah, no, I, I did enjoy this promo. Um, I always enjoy MJF promos, and I like that he kind of dished it out a bit with um, Wardlow getting a take as well. And obviously, FTR and um, Sean Spears stayed quiet. And I think, was it, I, I saw one little mistake I think MJF made, and I don't know whether it was just me miss kind of reading what he did. But he, um, obviously, last week, Tyson punched Cash Wheeler, didn't he? In the, in the stomach, um Oh no no it's round sorry round the face he knocked Cash Wheeler out anyway with a punch and knocked when his he... teeth down his throat as Jericho says later on and um, as MJF acknowledged this in the interview with the Pinnacle he looked at Sean Spears instead now I don't know whether it's because they were just sat like near each other but it looked like he was more looking at Sean Spears uh, I took that I was like I was like did you was there a misplacement here where people were meant to be sat like what's that anyway that's just one little criticism I noticed but I don't maybe it was just me. 
reading it wrong. But in, overall, really good promo. I like I said, always enjoy MJF promos, and I thought there was some, as you said, some hot takes. Some I like when it gets personal, and you're like, oh, like that, and it's. It's semi-true, let's be honest. It's more than semi-true. Yeah. I mean, like I said, these are people that they were already <laughs> over when Jericho got into programs with them. Do you know what I mean? It's scathing attack from MJF. Um, um, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, and MJF is, we all, as we all know, every promo he does is just incredible. And yeah, it's nice. It kind of feels like a tennis match of back, back and forth with um, promos and insults, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Well, it's almost May now, and we're starting to get a feel for who's who's the best of the year, who might be turn out to be the best of the year in uh, in each kind of category, if you will. And um, I mean, for last year, we uh, at the beginning of our show, we uh, when we first started the podcast, we rated Eddie Kingston the best talker for twenty twenty, which I think he was. But I think not Eddie's fault because he's not been as prevalent on the screen, but because he was in, you know, he was involved in a championship promo last year at the end of last year. Um, but I think despite Jericho having the better, the best promo of the year so far, you know, one of the best promos I've seen in a long, long time. Um, last week, I think MGF is still more consistent. And for me is kind of leading, leading that pile as, as, as kind of talker of the year. Um, as he should be because, you know, quality or, whatever form is form is form is temporary quality is permanent next up we had hikaru shida versus tay conti for the women's world title uh i'm gonna refrain from giving too much for my opinion yet so i don't take all the uh don't hog all the all the hot takes i will just say enormous fight feel on this one wasn't the liam yeah uh, there was a lot of build to it i was genuinely really excited to watch this match because Tay's had a very good showing for the last few months and she's improved a lot in the last six or seven months or however long it's been with AEW. Well, can I get... I see a lot of people say that, that she's really improved from her days in NXT and you go on uh, Cage Match and her rating when she first... I think when she first arrived in NXT or the first year that she was eligible for being voted on is like a three or a four out of ten and yet she's... You know, she's worked her way up. Was she was she that green or that sloppy in a in a uh, sorry in NXT? Because obviously, I'm not that familiar with her work in NXT, but I'm assuming you are. Uh, well, from what I can remember, I think it was a mix of a her being green, coming from a different background, and b most of the time she was jobbed out in matches, which yeah, obviously you can't really get a good rating if you're just getting power slammed by Nia Jax and getting a free count within a minute of the match starting. So I think because she got jobbed out most of the time, it didn't really help her case to actually put on a good showing. I didn't really invest yeah. much time in her. I feel like they've kind of they've missed a massive trick with Take Conti because, like, obviously she is now improving and she's got that judo background, which is something you'd think WWE would love. Do you know what I mean? A, a real fight background, and I mean, she's got the look. Let's say that she, you know, she looks like a star. I mean, being attractive never hurts, and I'll say that for anyone, uh, male or female, including Wardlow. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's. I mean, he looks like something uh, Vince sculpts in his wettest dreams. I don't know how he never snapped him up, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. She's, she just. I mean, she's a star, and I thought this was potentially the time for her to snap it up. Um, what were your thoughts on the match itself? I thought that's the match itself. It was a solid TV match. It was definitely as good as what I expected, and I know that both women are capable of very good matches when they have the time and when things go right for them. Uh, I was 
I found the finish, it looked pretty brutal as well, which obviously always helps sell the actual finish of a match is when the move actually looks like it hurts, rather than just being something like a rock bottom or something like a five knuckle shuffle, which doesn't look like it actually does that much damage. I can't believe they never changed that name, Five Knuckle Shuffle, when they when they went to the PG era. I swear, like, the censors that were in charge of that really just didn't get the joke, so they were just like, oh, don't tell them, Five Knuckle Shuffle. Well, that's the thing about it. Obviously, the AA used to be called the FU, and obviously exactly. that got changed, but the Five yeah, Knuckle Shuffle the S- never did. Yeah, the STFU, and, and then they're yeah. like, the, but somehow the Five Knuckle Shuffle slipped through. It's like, I just don't think they got the joke. It's hilarious. Right, I'll give you a play-by-play and then I'll come to Jack. So, we started off with a beautiful judo throw from Tay, followed up by two big knees to the jaw, a two-count, a Fujiwara armbar attempt, some just some great fast wrestling, some judo-inspired wrestling. Uh, Shida rolls out and Conti locks in a waist lock, but Shida gets to the rope. Shida gets a running knee on the outside, rams uh, Tay into the barrier and goes for a second. Uh... Tay uh, ends up eating an enziguri. Uh, Shida hits a brainbuster on the outside. Back in the ring, Shida hits a bow and arrow. That uh, that lovely stretch submission before a fucking amazing transition to a chin lock. I, I must say. Um, and she, this is when you start noticing Shida wrestling a bit brutal. Um, and you know, suspicions were confirmed as the match wore on that she was working heel. Um, and she's kind of. She's selling herself as heel, which could have been for the Conti win, but is more potentially, unless she has a full heel turn now, which I don't see happening. Uh, I think it was probably more, because especially with what happened after the match, but I think the heel work was kind of to sow doubt in the kind of further doubt in the minds of kind of the smarky crowd who know if you're turning heel during a match, you might be setting up for the for the big pop, for the, you know, putting over the other person. So I think that was a bit of kind of clever, clever scripting, having uh, Shida wrestle heel. Um, Tay Conti tries to fight back with elbow strikes, but gets put back down again and eats a boot. She gets hung up on the second rope um, and then gets a super cle- superplexed before... Uh, before oh this was this was great stuff actually so Shida she just hit the superplex and then when used right okay so I don't like Superman Cena moments if you will but when used right that energy burst in a moment of desperation I I just fucking love I pop for that it's um really explosive wrestling and that's what we saw from Tay here she she took she ate the superplex and then just kind of rolled through and hit the super kick and then collapsed and that's just that got me to pop quite a you know just a little moment that got me got me excited a sequence of throws from tay ended up with ending with a german suplex that was very nice uh she's putting the pressure on at this point and hits a great senton to shida across the top rope she lays shida across the top rope hits a senton on her uh tay runs into a jumping knee from shida though and Shida hits the falcon arrow but tay kicks out to a big pop um and she's uh, she does looking for a finisher for the knee, but instead she ends up putting Conti on the top turnbuckle. Conti fights back but gets picked up and dropped on the top, uh, which is called the witch's shot. Apparently they called during this match. First time I've heard it called that. A move from uh, from Shida, but there you go. Um, they well, I think uh, it was Tay Conti hit a punt kick, I think, but then she that was a setup for a Tay KO. But uh, I find it so hard to pronounce her her moves. Shida kicked out. 
Uh, she goes for the DDT, but Sheeta reverses it and drops her on her head for a two. We get into a strike fest. Sheeta hits a backbreaker and then gets her with the knee, and it is game over. After which, Britt Baker comes out, puts up the the uh, screen with the number one contender being Tay Conti, and that with that loss, Britt Baker has now surpassed her and is the number one contender. Jack, thoughts on your end? God, I just about made it through that. <laughs> so many mixed emotions for me during this match. Um, literally any emotion you could feel. It was a perfect match. And it, I thought it was incredible. I knew it would be. Um, all the build-up with Tay uh, over the last couple of months. Just been building to this. And she deserved it. She deserved her title shot. Um, I was so hyped for her to win it based on your takes from last last week. I was like, it's her time. I'm ready. It is I'm her re- time. I still stand by that. It's her time. I think she just getting overlooked a little bit but, but I, I think there's loads of girls in that division which is their time and that's the kind of see they've only got one belt it's kind of hard but I that's where I when the, when the match finished and Tay obviously didn't win I, I felt a bit gut- it's, I kind of was like how long are they going to keep it on Shida and then Brick comes Not out much longer like, yeah and then Brick came out I was like it's over it's fucking over double or nothing Brick Baker versus Hikari Shida Brick Baker's taking it I'm like I'm, I'd put money on it because of course she is because obviously we knew a Brick Baker kind of title match was coming but just I love the no words I love she comes out points to the screen number one Hikari Shida then just throws her kendo stick in like anger Brick Baker kind of like dodges it and then just walks out and she's like See you later. And I just love that. And I'm now excited for the like month build-up we're going to have with that feud because shit, Britt Baker's title-worthy. It's going to happen. And I think it would be nice then when Britt Baker is champ to then have like someone like a Ty or an Anna Jay when she comes back from injury. Probably, obviously, won't be that time. But then a phase come in and kind of have Britt Baker have a long feud but have it kind of feel like, yes, like Britt Baker kind of, as, as women's champ, kind of, what's the... You, you know what what am I trying to say basically have like the leader I say right I'm going to get political here but say like a Donald Trump and then when he finally goes you feel that kind of elation like Britt Baker comes women's champ triggered like, think, think just she's... lost half our listenership all the all the all the people all, all the people who are uh, Memphis wrestling fans tuned into this but, but what I mean she comes in women's champ and she, she's the only one to think she's doing a great job but the rest of like the division the rest of the company think like oh we need to get rid of Britt Baker as like champ and then a phase comes in and you just feel like she's gone but like she's a good heel like MGF so you want her to make you feel that way um, it'll mean more for for yeah. Tay to win it from a heel as well exactly. rather than a, yeah. the, rather than Hikaru Shida working here for half a match. Yeah, I think this for Tay was just a great match to see her at um, Women's Championship standard. To give her a toe-to-toe match with Shida, which could have gone either way. Now it kind of, you come out of that and you don't feel like it's a wasted match and you don't feel like Tay's been overlooked. You come out of that and be like, okay, she didn't win, but she is more than capable of winning on her day, like, because we've seen this over the last couple of months of building up. So I don't think that loss has dampened Tay at all. I think, if anything, it's... elevated her elevation dark elevation it's elevated her to that next that title picture which there's there's loads of women up there at the moment it's going to be it's going to be a heavily competed title i think it would have um, benefited if, from oh, oh sorry go on. uh if i can quickly put in i think what well what i want to happen what i feel would make the most sense which probably means it won't happen is Britt baker to win and then Thunder Rose has come out and say, well, I beat you before. I want the first shot of the title. And then we have Britt versus That's Thunder the Rose. That's the most logical looking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel that that should be the road they go down because again they had a brilliant match that was very well talked about so having an even bigger match for the belt well I think that would do really well for AEW and it'd be a good long term feud to have between the two maybe until someone like Anna Jay as Jack says is ready and comes back and he's able oh. to compete Obviously not uh, AEW aren't in charge of the booking for this particular title, but if we have that Serena Deeb Thunder Rosa match she keeps talking about and Thunder Rosa regains the NWA title and then a title versus title match against Britt Baker, that would be what I would like to see. Um, and if that happens, to be honest, I can see Britt Baker having a very short reign and uh, and and... Yeah, because I can't, I can't really can't see them put in. Listen, Britt Baker's improved uh, it tremendously over the last year, from a kind of sloppy wrestler to with a kind of awkward mic presence around January last year to who she is today is commendable. But uh, NWA fans and booking are a little bit snobbish and it's i don't think it's been long enough for them honestly for her to be at the caliber she is which i you know i still don't feel like she's i mean she's fantastic on the mic but i don't think she is still yet and and her character work alone she should win the title and i want to see Britt baker win the title but she's not got the technical chops that i think the nwa uh management would want so i could see and, and to be honest short reigns Short reigns are kind of needed after how long uh, Hikaru Shida's had the title. I think just to mix it up a bit and make it feel fresh and, you know, kind of rebuild this division into something as exciting as it can be. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of women who deserve it. I was going to say as well, I think that with... I don't know whether... Obviously, we'll mention this. Well, I don't know whether we will, but hopefully we'll mention this segment later on in the night. But I feel that Jay Cargill at some point has to... Jake Harper at some point has to have the belt and just has to go on this monster run with it because she's been built up like an absolute machine. So I'd expect her to, if she stays here, I'd expect us to take the belt off a top baby face, whether that may be in a year's time. You think, wouldn't you? And I might as well say this now, but I was thinking this watching that AEW, their roster's too big, man. And, and the, the, the solution to that isn't necessarily letting people go. It's making dark or dark elevation something worth watching it's making it their developmental their nxt and giving it title belts do you know what i mean that's what i would do at well least. we also and, said tom that um the jay cargill and cutie marshall kind of feels like in a different universe why not make it like i know a different it, universe yeah i know it's obviously but easy to you know um look at smackdown and raw as two you know separate kind of universes in the same franchise and be like oh, but, but no just it's, it. It it's, they're not the be. different universe yeah. like with, with as 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 main roster wwe nxt yeah, exactly. and here's the thing is that jay cargill could go on that monster run right now in if, if dark elevation was the nxt of AEW. do you know what i mean she could do that right now and she could be the women's world champ immediately um yeah i i think that's what needs to happen because i just i feel like they they do a disservice to some of their wrestlers with how they try to book everybody. And it's like Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. I think a lot of people get left behind. I think it's coming now. Nonsensical shitty angles. I hope so. I really hope so because yeah. And, and they've shown that they can get, see, obviously NXT. I mean, uh, if, if this has changed, correct me, Liam, but they, are they going to be at full sale? Well, are they at the Thunderdome at the moment, but during normal times, are they still at full sale? They're at the Capital Wrestling Centre. 
There you go. So but they have for a while now. They have a permanent base, right? Obviously uh, yes. still. So that's I mean they've shown that Daly's place can get that permanent view. So Daly's place could be the place for dark dark elevation as a brand when AEW Dynamite goes back on the road, you know, and that and that would avoid that feeling because putting it on before and or after Dynamite, it will get that WWE main event, WWE superstars kind of feel, um, 205 Live, what have you. Whereas if they have their own look, their own thing, that's what one of the things that made NXT so successful. So I think they could just keep, you know, when they're traveling and they could keep Dark as a brand, keep it in Daly's place while AEW goes, Dynamite goes on the road. That's what I would like to see. Next up, we had a promo from Miro. Uh, Miro was lamenting the fact that Kip Sabian has has no showed again, uh, and the, I mean he called out a lot of champions again. The highlight being when he calls Sting emo face paint daddy uh, to Darby, and he's like, "You can bring your this, your that, your emo face paint daddy." Um, <laughs> he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Jack, I'll come to you. What uh, is is? Is this leading to a Miro Kip thing, or is Kip legitimately taking some time off with the, you know, with the COVID filming schedule, or like, because it's it's odd, isn't it, how he calls out Kip, but then he's like, I'll do it without you, and then calls out a load of champions. Like, who is he going to face next? Is he actually going to face Kip? You'd think, but it's not set in stone, is it? Yeah, no, I definitely think he's good. They're going to have the Kip um, Miro feud before he then goes on to the titles or whatever title he wants to challenge for. But one thing that pissed me off is. So, and sorry, a bit of spoiler alert to next week's card, but he's like, Kip, where where you been? You're no-showed again. Like, Kip, where are you? Where are you? I would have preferred if Kip's going to come back to kind of do it unannounced, whereas, and it, we'll obviously we'll discuss this more but in next week's card. surely that would be quite a face move, and I don't, th- I can't buy into a face no. Kip Sabian. Like, that surprise return. That's that's really a face Yeah, thing, but a lot, lot better than seeing Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian on next week's card. Where it's just like oh, okay, true. so you're oh, coming true. back. Kip's, Kip's back. We know, but I can, I can, I can kind of, I can see Miro getting involved in that and taking out Kip yeah. Sabian, Penelope Ford getting distracted off that, and Chris Statlander getting the win. Yeah, no, that's definitely a way it could. Yeah, or what will happen? But I just don't like the way they kind of done it. I'd rather he, and I know you said it's a facing do but come up unannounced, or you know, at least have some sort of like instead of just being like. Okay. Well, because well, what's he going to do? Is he going to attack Miro for saying, where are you? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it seems... But, I mean, there was a whole feud, Tom, that started about breaking a games machine. <laughs> like, let, let's, not, let's not doubt anything. Let's Let's not, let's not insert logic into this party <laughs> where it wasn't invited. You know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, but no, in terms, of the pro, in terms of promo, again, another wrestler who could win any of the belts. Um, as, he, as he said, he'll take any of them. Um, and it, and in insert <laughs> conversation we just had about the roster being too big, and it'd be great to see you know there being more you know, belts. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see him go on a conquest of gold kind of thing, and I'd like to see him because Kip doesn't actually want to comply, and then Kip is clearly scared of him. That he'll just beat the shit out of Kip Sabian, drag his lifeless corpse to the ring, and have that be his tag partner. And then just fight the match, you know, take the match two on one and win the titles with a lifeless Kip Sabian strewn in the corner. I would fucking 
Pop for that shit. Uh, oh, why aren't yeah. we booking dynamite? <laughs> right, next up we had Tony Schiavone interviewing the inner circle. I'm still uh, laughing at the fact you're still laughing. the thought of Kim Savior just being half dead. <laughs> just being well, they want to get, get him over, right? Like, Kim Savior's a very meh character. Like, he's a solid wrestler with solid fundamentals, but he's just there. So, like, what better way to get him over than some comedy like that? Like, you, just have him, like, just do battered. Reckon, uh, do you reckon that <laughs> Do you let, do Miro, you just, that- Miro does it every defense. He just he just ambushes him backstage every single defense, and you get this like three minute segment of him beating the shit out of him in the locker room, like throwing him into things Archer style, and then just dragging him out for their match. And- do you reckon they'll let you do this on the Elite General Manager game? Just book it that oh. way. <laughs> I'm booking that shit. If they can't, like, what's what's even the point? Like, honestly, this is don't. how I'm booking. <laughs> refund please right um next up as we say we had tony shivani interviewing the inner circle uh jericho starts out very face cheap cheap pop says who cares about the 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 pineapple the pinnacle i just heard the inner circle squad as loud as they can be on a wednesday night and you know poppity pop 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 um he twice said trail of tears which (laughs) i just wrote i just wrote trail of tears um, because the Trail of Tears is the, you know, for those who are history inclined, is the um, a name for the Native American genocide. So I'm like, this is a bit, <laughs> this is a bit, not sure, Jericho, especially with your, um, I mean, because he's, <laughs> so we don't want to get, we're getting double political, but he do, he is very um, Donald Trump in his delivery. Like, he, he, he thinks up names for people, like MJF, my, my jerk-off friend. That would be, you know, Sleepy Joe Biden kind of things. You know what I mean? Crooked Hillary. Um, and the, the pineapple, the pinnacle. Like, he gets a name and sticks with it. Like, uh, yeah. We're, 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 um, <laughs> we're playing with fire there. But then the mic gets handed off to Jake Hager, as I said it would be. Uh, the big men getting their turns today. Jake Hager throws a load of straws at the camera. <laughs> Chris Jericho because they'll be drinking through straws essentially Chris Jericho says the pinnacle never say anything concrete in their promos which is very ironic because I don't think this promo particularly said anything um, Santa, Santa, Santa? Santana says they waited for a crew behind them to kind of challenge the inner circle and it's like well, that that's kind of a shitty point because the, the inner circle were a heel team so like of course they fucking did but Anyway, uh, he mentioned how it's a bitch move. Um, Jericho starts repeating himself a lot. He sung a terrible song um, that didn't rhyme. Like It felt like he was ad-libbing a lot um, of his promo. And, like, I don't know. Like, and I, I suppose he was ad-libbing it because he was making a point that MJF has scripted promos. Again, like, this meta commentary about promos I'm not a big fan of. But he he made the point that like ad lib promos are better, but he kind of proved MJF's point about scripted promos because this promo was so shit. Um, he he mentioned Rosie O'Donnell show again, which at this point I'm sick of it. It's just it's it's too easy. It's too easy a diss on MJF. Um, this was a bad promo in my eyes. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how you thought about it, Liam, but. Um, yeah, oh, oh, this is when he sang the show tune, so I'll come to you in a sec. This is when he sang the show tune, shit song with bad rhymes, what the fuck Jericho is what I wrote down. Um, mentioned how he washed his ass with the scarf that Tully gave him, like, when did you get the opportunity? It doesn't make sense. Uh, next week they will have a parlay 
and he tells MJF he will beat the living hell out of him while looking down into the camera. Uh, where does this stand against... I mean, I don't want to influence your decision. With Clearly, I have my opinions about it, but where do you think this stands, Liam, against Jericho's promo from last week? Uh, yeah, his promo uh, last week and the one this week were like night and day. The one last week genuinely felt very... I don't want to say real and sound like a mark, but it sounded very like impassionate and like... And Max, thank you very much. Yeah, but like, as for a Max, I see what you did there. But whereas this week, like you said, it was very cringeworthy. It was very, like you said, the song didn't make sense. It didn't go. But they've it did rhyme purpose. at the end. And I, I thought and he was going to... Yeah. He said, he said, it was like he was going to rhyme it with Lou or something. But then he was like, then I just flush your hair down the toilet. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like year one or something like it's, it's this is this is just some bullshit and if that's how Chris Jericho sings all the time I don't want to see Fosse live you couldn't pay me enough money to go see Fosse <laughs> hot live hot take hot take <laughs> definitely but uh, yeah I like the fact that Santana and uh, Hager got time to talk as well as long as it being just Jericho but another thing as well I don't know what a parlay is so I don't know whether I should be excited for that or whether I should be worried or, I don't know <laughs> the, the the Birmingham education system has failed you um, it's a it's a meeting we, between we don't two have warring any, sides we don't have any education <laughs> system <laughs> just throw you into a pile of broken glass and say if you can get up out of that you're ready for the world <laughs> <laughs> you'll play for Villa or Birmingham or you'll be on the dole is that it? Or work in a chip shop. There's, there are prospects. Yeah, uh, not a big fan of this promo. I think I think we both covered everything. It was, as you say, night and day. It was it was very weak from Jericho. Not what we've come to expect over his illustrious career of promos. I feel maybe he was trying to prove something to himself that he could ad lib, but I don't think that he can. Um, <laughs> Next up, we had Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall. Oh, we came to Liam on the last one, so I'm excited to come to Jack first on this one. Um, anti, anti, well, okay, so I don't want to influence your decision at all. So, Jack, before I say anything about this match, what did you make of Billy Gunn versus our hero, QT Marshall? The Lord and Saviour. What was it last time? Because obviously I wasn't here last week. You said there's a QT meter didn't we? Um, the, Q, the QT meter, every time you're on, there's a QT meter. Has he moved up or down the QT meter towards earning your respect? So, and, so where were we hype? last time? Do you remember? One out of ten. I, don't, I, think, I, think, I think he moved up a little bit the week before and then he didn't move at all, which yes. would mean, let's say it's a ten-point scale, the QT marshal is at a one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I he remember moved up or down? Or? He, he moved up when he first turned and then he cut that promo with Cesar Benoni throwing some paint at the... Anyway, that was shit. He went down. This one, I'd say, is it even possible to go further down? Like, I, I hated it. Back to, I hated it too. It's back down to a zero. QT, what are you doing? No, no. If, anything, if anything, he's at minus one now. Oh, no, mate, minus, mate, one. No, mate, yep. minus one or zero. Um, yeah, this was... And the QT, the, the, ma- the Marshall scale is fluid. It can be a minus one. Every time I upload our podcast, I have to put whether it's clean or explicit. Now... I always put explicit anyway because this is the WNK podcast, but I don't swear too often on this um, podcast. But that was shit. That was a pile of shit, waste of my time. What was the point? I was cringed out by it. I genuinely could not give less of a shit about a factory. They could just 
as they did with Brandy Road's little creepy, gimpy faction. Um, they could just cut it and not give any context or tell anyone, and I genuinely still wouldn't care. Um, Technically, they did with Brandy. She showed up on commentary and apologised. And yeah, there you go. Um, but no, this was just unfair to Billy Gunn, who's had quite a successful career to give him this sort of match. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was shit. And I, I mean, the fact that it started out with Billy Gunn chasing them free and QT just pushing his mates in front to take it so he could dip away just angered me even more. I just don't like him. I just don't like the bloke. One and would argue, though, to play devil's advocate, that that is the point. Yeah, no, it, heel move. It, it is, it is. But, I mean, you couldn't even pay me to, if he was at a Comic-Con, to go meet him because I just couldn't be bothered. Like, I As I say, it is, it is just devil's... It is just devil's advocate because Cutie Marshall has that go away heat from me. Yeah, but he just, yeah, I just don't think it was a good match and I don't know why this match was a thing. Um, Everything, everything, every point they made in this match could have been done with a promo, do you not think? Yeah, definitely. Um, It just, yeah, it was just a shower of shit and I'm done. Right, I'll run you through it. Anthony Gogo was on the promo. Anthony Gogo on the promo as QT came out doing some, I'm going to say, some British heel shit straight out of the 80s. This was cheap heat of the most shameless variety. I love Britain. I fucking hate America. You didn't say fucking. I'm only in this shithole of a country. To, it's just, you know... It's rubbish, and you know, just uh, it just it was just he he just hit every fucking stereotypical heel British bulldogs eighties outdated tropes possible. Um, Billy Gunn started the match attacking Akuti Marshall on the ramp. Excalibur buried Comoroto and and Solo. Weirdly enough, like um, I think jr or or somebody like that probably jr uh mentioned how you know they're 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 weak or something like that and he was like well maybe maybe komoroto and solo but not not a gogo it's like mm, i know you're trying to put over a gogo as the as the as the emerging star from this but komoroto is not like a weak shit dude i mean i'm i'm not sold on aaron solo but komoroto is the standout from oh quickly group. whilst yep. it's on my mind worst Go thing on. jr said um, obviously taking a piss out of Comorodo being quite a hairy bloke, he said, "Oh, what, what is Comorodo wearing? Is he is he like I think? Oh yeah, he, he said is he, is he wearing he's a shirt? A, yeah, he's wearing a coat and jumper. And I looked, I was like, is that is he is that taking a piss out of him being hairy? Yeah, bad Jr. Take that. This was a bad. Uh, this is a bad. This is an episode. Okay, so sorry, I cut away from the match quickly. This is a such a bad Jr. Episode that this match is actually not going to get my screamer of the week. Um, it's J. It's Jr. I mean, I know it's just for international audiences because it was just during that fight break on that match we talked about. But his just egregious kayfabe break has just pissed me off so much. Um, but yeah, J- Jim Ross is less of a, he, he's, I mean, he's got, so, I can't, I could not rate him less than eight out of 10 just based on his absolute legacy of a career. He is the voice of wrestling for my generation, undisputed. However, he's tarnishing everything right now. He's, he's not a commentator so much as he is just a guy who comes every week to watch wrestling and rip the shit out of it. And it ticks me off. Um, so 
getting back in, getting uh, well, we get him, we dive back in with a Jim Ross moment. He was getting his American Patriot on, and he just they kept coming back to it, and it clearly actually pissed the kind of Southern Oklahoma Bell Jr. off uh, in real life because he kept coming back to that like that cheap heat from a go go. He was like, "America's a great, there's money in America." I was like, Ugh. you know, not for the people who need it, but we're getting a bit political again. Um, Billy Gunn was uh beaten down qt marshall camarado slams billy into the ring post and then austin and colton jump the barricade and they all kind of fight away into the crowd uh QT gets the upper hand back big pile driver probably in one of the only kind of notable spots of the match uh billy's on his knees and getting you know on the receiving end of some punches from qt marshall uh he gets some starts fighting back a go-go predictably it was always on the cards interrupts the match gives him this body shot and the but the fact that the match was not stopped from a what 50 something year old billy gunn getting a getting a body shot and reacting the exact same way as that jobber in the go-go match the other week like just because the ref didn't see the shot just proves that this shot is this body shot is not as brutal as they're selling it as because it's enough to be a stoppage when the ref sees it but not when he doesn't surely surely whether it's a stoppage is based on the condition of the athlete who's taken it not whether he saw it happen or not do you know what i mean like if 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 he was really in that bad a state that jobber and and billy gunn was in the same state he'd be like oh fuck billy gunn's really fucked up i better stop this match but it just doesn't make sense having a stoppage for the body shot anyway um that was that was pretty much it wasn't it um that was the 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 cheat to win and then they introduced the wooden chair or thinking why is there a wooden chair why is there a wooden chair uh dustin kind of interrupted to kind of even the odds got a bull rope out which i think might be an indication of a future match with a future match stipulation with qt marshall um a gogo distracted and Komaroto attacked dustin but then and this was the only redeeming moment of this entire segment even well maybe the power driver but the match and the after, after the match was Komaroto took this wooden chair to the head and didn't even flinch it was a great spot to put over what i think is the only the only redeemable factor in this faction is nick Komaroto, and and like that is an image that will stay with you so it ended on a high note with him take just having just absorbing the impact of a wooden chair just being demolished over his head and i was like oh shit that's badass um and i like i liked that that's so it wasn't a complete wash for me this whole thing but as i say it could have been done with a promo sorry to ramble on liam thoughts to give my take on this, uh, the match itself, I'm going to be honest, I didn't actually watch it because I don't care, care for Billy Gunn or QT Marshall. So I oh, yeah, Mr. Actual... Blinder. <laughs> so I match of the night, match. mate. <laughs> Six stars in the Tokyo Dome. The... <laughs> <laughs> I went straight to the end bit. I thought the spot with... Uh... I can't remember who it was, but someone hit a chair over Nick Comaroto and it obviously just... Justin Rhodes just hit the road, yeah. Yeah, that was it, sorry. That was... I love that. The other thing I love that too. The, the other thing with Nick Comaroto, he looks like Vince's wet dream from the 80s. He'd be main event in the 80s and fucking the WWF or whatever Vince had at the time. And, yeah, it's good to see wrestlers that look That's like they put him over in the old era. I think I think I don't know. Like they must have done that for a reason. They must have known that will put Nick Comoroto over. But it's odd to me that 
they are doing something that that's kind of like that him taking that chair based depending on his future career could be a kind of iconic moment an iconic image in the career of Nick Comarota if he ever becomes one of the greats and yet they've done that while trying to push Anthony Ogogo as the kind of the kind of breakout of this of this faction with these same fucking tired like you know tropes it's like it's just weird like I, I, at the moment I'm I'm Despite being a Brit who apparently idolises Anthony Ogogo by default, who thought it? I didn't know, but I guess we're going to have to go with it because AEW says so. Uh, Nick Komaroto is is my kind of my, as I say, my redeeming factor in the in the factory thing. The only the only good thing about it for me. If I can just say one more thing as well, I know uh, me and Thomas spoke about this outside of uh, this podcast. Why are they billing Anthony Ogogo from the east of England? Surely they can find somewhere a little bit more because his hometown is too hard to pronounce so just lie and say like i said to you just lie and say, say he's from, from london, london. say yeah, from the east literally. end so they could he's, they could say he's from the east end and just leave it at that because one it would go with the whole peaky blinders vibe they've got with his entrance music and two technically they're not saying he's from the east end of london do you know what i mean it's implied but it could be the east end of the entire of all of england but realistically say, from, from the can, east end let's they say can, that they can say wherever the fuck they want they've got a, they've got a wrestler on their roster that's built from the andromeda galaxy they can say whatever the fuck they want. Like, no I know, one. but like, I don't know, I guess they're trying to add that kind of aspect of realism with him being a former Olympian. They want him yeah. to be... Yeah, but but they can't pronounce his hometown, so they're just going to have to say... I mean, I think I went over this with Patrick. We, I think we talked about it on the podcast, to be honest, so that shows how much you listen. Um, we, we talked about it could be, you know, it's like them saying from the north of Germany. It's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, no. yeah. Weird. It's, it is weird. Next up, we had... Oh, this was good. This was good. Uh, <laughs> the Elite. And again, they are calling them the Elite. They reiterated that the five of them together and are the Elite. That includes Gallows and Anderson. So, um, looking like absolute Gs, like they're about to film a music video, all of them kind of in their trailer. Uh, Don says that Kenny is going to be Impact World Champ soon. Uh, Matt starts uh, riffing and says that they are the ones responsible for bringing Japan to the kind of forefront and bringing it to America. And the fact that the Bullet Club shirts, they didn't say Bullet Club by name, but they took responsibility for the popularity of that shirt. Um, We hear kind of a car horn beeping throughout this whole thing. And uh, Mox and Kingston are outside. Um, everyone, everyone scarpers because the uh, the trailer was empty, but not before Mox and Kingston crashed their four x four truck into the side of the trailer um, and basically got out. And uh, you know they were looking for the bucks. They were, you know, here's Johnny kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, you know, Jackson boys, Jackson boys, and they they were they want and Eddie wanted to steal the designer shoes, and Mox was like, "I this this is how you ad lib," and Mox was like, "Just leave it. You're always looking for shoes." <laughs> like it's it was uh, it was it was good stuff. Um, let's come to come to Liam because we came to Jack about a promo before, and I kind of own one. Liam, thoughts on this segment, this promo, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, well, I'm going to do it in two parts because the elite part Be of the my promo... Guest. 
I thought was good. It carried on with their whole dickhead heel type of character they all have, and yeah. I really like that about them. And I just love the fact that Nakazawa was just there, just minding his own business, chilling, while the rest of them just look menacing and do whatever. But the and uh, the only thing I didn't like about this, which maybe one of you can explain this to me and, and it make it make sense, was the fact make that... Make it make sense! <laughs> was <laughs> the fact that, obviously, they heard the beeping, Kenny referenced it, but when Mox and Kingston drove into the trailer, they'd all fucked off. I think the so, implication was that they ran out of the door. I think it just didn't... I just think it didn't translate well to TV. I think the camera angle pans around and they're yeah. driving into the side of it and then the doors open the other side. I think one thing that really didn't add to it was the fact that the lights were on when they were all inside and then the lights were off. And it's like, why would they turn the lights off when they're fleeing for their lives? Do you know what I mean? So it very much... It very much made it clear that they were... It was filmed prior to the actual... Um, you know, it seemed like it was filmed prior. Although they said it was live and the crowd were cheering, hearing the beeps, and I assume they could hear them from inside the stadium. So I don't know how they did that if it was filmed prior, but it certainly looked like the Elite promo was filmed prior to the prior to the thing because, um, because the, like I said, the lights were off. I just find it odd that they would decide to, like, turn the light off as we go out and save electricity for the planet. Um, how very dare you? Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it, it is odd. Um, I've... Any more comments about about the 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 stuff that Mox did before I give my take on it? Yeah, just about one. Mox and Kingston. Oh, oh, I wasn't asking for your oh, opinion, but sorry. go on. <laughs> go on, no, Jack. go on, Jack. I just look sad now. Um, only one bit I wanted to laugh at was um, when obviously Mox was smashing in the window with the lead pipe, and then the third time he like threw it, and then Kingston was like, "Dude, you could have hit me," because <laughs> he was right behind. That was the only bit. Love that. Right, my. my uh, I'm going to give my take on this. So this is one of my problems with AEW, and it's it's only so much of a problem because of how close to perfection they are. They they are so close to that kind of attitude era storytelling. And and I was so psyched when I heard the car beeping and when, when it went outside to, to Mox and Kingston and then they crashed into the side of the trail. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah they need to take it further do you know what i mean like stone cold steve austin filled a fucking limo with cement he you know he did all this crazy shit he you know the beer truck and stuff like that they needed to set the fucking trailer on fire <laughs> that's what they needed to do do you know what i mean and then and then and do you know what when 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 he was like get yeah, eddie get the pipe do you know what i mean it was like, oh shit get the pipe like like and and the the announcers were selling it and then they just used the pipe to do in the windows like i thought he was going to put the pipe over the fucking door to trap them in they were going to take off with the trailer they were going to they were going to take him on a joyride dump him in the river you know set fire to the trailer or something like amp it up man like they just they just they've just given him a minor traffic accident do you know what i mean it's like it was a good start i was like oh yeah they fucking crashed into them this is attitude era shit man take it further take it further and then they didn't do you know what i mean i just i it was so close to greatness and i like i like this segment but i just i just feel it was a waste of putting a dent in a trailer not to just just do something more with it and take it further i just i just want i just want i just want explosions man what do i have to do for an explosion I'm going to be honest, the way that I thought this was going to go at first when I seen the vehicle that they had was I thought they were going to somehow get the trailer and, like, tow it 
and take yeah. it away with exactly. you at least inside Exactly, that's what I said. Like that. That's what I said. And put a bar in the bar that he was calling for would go over the door to stop him getting out. That's what yeah. I mean. That's and what I mean. I'm, in the I'm, river I'm or something like that. Point. Like, I you thought know? they'd do similar as well, but, you know, like you said, they're so close to perfection. But it's like there's always a little bit away, which Mox and Kingston... Obviously, you always get big like Attitude Era vibes from them, and they always they have such good chemistry with each other. Any segment they do together, especially when they're active, in, it's absolute yeah, gold. So true. Um, yeah, Kingston absolutely elevates Mox, who some people have have had you know criticism about his promos being samey, namely you. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, Eddie does kind of elevate him, and their real life friendship kind of comes through. And you know their promos are just so so much. They're 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 great separately. They're they're great together. Um, yeah, no, I I liked it. I like, you know what? I feel how women must feel after a good shag where they didn't orgasm. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Liam, you know all about that, don't you? Yeah, I was about to say Molly listens to the podcast, so right now she'll be smiling, knowing what you're on about. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. But yeah, um, she she could probably tell me how close to the mark I am with this, uh, or how. <laughs> Far from the mark you were. Oh, sorry, I couldn't Liam, help it. it I couldn't help just making my own joke. I couldn't. So no, what? Well, don't say do it again. Leave that shit in. <laughs> oh fucking. Oh anyway, <clears throat> compose myself. Right. No, how close to the mark they were with this, and and uh, yeah, it feels like. Oh, I was waiting for the. I was waiting. It was nice. It was perfectly nice. I was waiting for the climax, and it did not come. Uh, next up. <laughs> <laughs> it just did not it. come and just it should leave it come just leave, it, leave that hanging in the air <laughs> next up we had Will Hobbs pa- not Will Hobbs sorry we don't call him that anymore Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage and we certainly don't call him Willie JR that's probably why they changed his fucking name because JR wouldn't stop with that shit <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage um yeah, Taz, Taz mentioned how they're banned from ringside because of their antics with Hangman earlier. Jack, uh, how did this match go for you? Um, I mean, again, second Christian Cage match. Don't think he outworked everyone. I don't think he outworked... Just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's meh. It's meh. And this is the thing, is that Will Hobbs came out of this looking better. Will Hobbs got some really nice kind of smooth grapples in, some big power moves. It's like... It's not selling. I mean, if I I've seen a lot of Christian Cage, and I have no doubt that to be able to take a beating like this, he still does have it. But this isn't selling me on Christian Cage. If if I put myself in the shoes of someone who's never seen him, do you know what I mean? I've seen these two matches. I'm like, what's the hype? Do you know what I mean? And now I, I've got to say, I'm kind of I kind of represent that kind of person on this pod. I've not seen a lot of Christian Cage, admittedly. Like I said, I know of him, and I've seen a couple of his. That's fine, Jack. Embrace, embrace, embrace who you are, because it's it's it, uh, it, it gives a fresh take to this podcast. It's nice to have someone who's got less exposure to people from before their time in AEW, because you get that that you know in invaluable fresh eyes on them. Well, yeah. So for that sake, like obviously him coming in, I was excited because I knew of him. I knew what a like, legend he was and um, there was a lot of hype around him and this all outwork everyone but a Frankie Kazarian match kind of let us down not from Frankie Kazarian's side but um, Christian Cage and I remember saying the exact same thing which I'm going to say now with this match he looks good at reversing other people's moves on his yeah. own moveset doesn't seem too great like when he's when he's carrying the match or when he's in front of the match and he's got the you know it's his kind of hype and he's you know hitting it 
Um, he doesn't look as good as when someone's beating him up and he's reversing it and he's, you know, getting himself out of sticky situations. And that's what I take from Christian Cage matches. It's not, you don't watch it and say, oh, that was a Christian Cage dominance. If anything, you say the other person's the dominating one. You come into it and think, and like I did, I'm like, okay, Christian Cage should be the dominant one in this one. He's not, but he knows how to get himself out of all these kind of situations. That was uh, what I was getting a lot of it. Like when he was up against like the... um in the corner he'd like dip out by like the rope or something like that and all these different and technically he's very good um i think it's been a while since he wrestled so you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt he does look good for his age he does look good for someone that hasn't wrestled in seven years and it is going to take time but i've not got the hype so far and yeah the only kind of thing i'm liking about him if anything is seeing him reverse these moves so AEW seems to be with christian cage and Darby Allen, for that matter, seem to be falling into the trap of there's two big ways you book little guys. One of them is that they they go toe to toe with the big by, big guys by using their speed and speed moves, and the other is that they just get the shit kicked out of them, endure it, and then get a lucky victory. And I think objectively nine nine times out of ten, unless you're unless you're booking it very well and you know in a very specific way, the the former is the safer option. Do you know what I mean? The 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 speed moves like big swinging DDTs and running rings around and maybe Christian well, can't do that because of his age but well, in that jo- case don't, don't say you outwork everybody yeah Jungle Boy's you know? been showing it all through his AW career he is yeah. that smaller one and he hasn't been doing the you know getting I'll tell you what being, he's been doing the other one yeah I'll tell you what tell you who walks the line between the two uh, very quite well is Marco Stunt right yes. Marco Stunt Marco Stunt does all the speed moves and he gets yeeted by his tag partners and, and into people and stuff. Then he eats a big boot and just totally eats shit. Do you know what I mean? But he's, like I said, he merges both of those. That's option That's option number three is merging them both. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he does all those speed moves, big quick flurry. Then he takes one big hit and it's, it's like game over for the rest of the match for him. But at least he does have that speedy offense. Do you know what I mean? But it's like... I don't know, this isn't the way to book it. It just bums me out, you know? Um, but yeah, let's give a play-by-play and then we'll go to Liam. Uh, Powerhouse is throwing Cage around pretty much from the get-go. Uh, Cage gets some slaps in and just pisses Hobbs off and weirdly runs away from Hobbs, which wasn't a very face move. Um, Hobbs takes Christian down on the outside, throws him over the barricade, reverse DDT uh, from Hobbs, actually. Um, and then they start up with the headlocks for the break. Uh, Christian tries to fight out, but almost gets fucking decapitated by a second rope move from uh, Hobbs throwing him into the second rope. Uh, gets beat down, another headlock. Uh, we come back from the break, so the rest holds kind of ease up a bit. Christian fights out, attempts the kill switch, gets thrown back down. Hobbs stands on Christian, like on his head or the back of his neck, um, on the ropes. And, oh, Oh, was this was this that soon? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and then he uh, then he went for the splash, the um, the kind of Jake Hager style splash off the ropes. Christian reversed and then had a little rally. Um, uh, he hit his pendulum kick, which was nice to see. I haven't seen that since uh, since his WWE days. Um, uh, a diving uppercut. Um, I think he might have missed the pendulum kick actually, but anyway. Uh, he uh oh no sorry i've got things mixed up christian cage was the one stepping on the back of hobbs's head apparently pushing his neck into the ropes um so apologies for that and that came at this point in the match really nice spine buster from hobbs i will say um double a would be proud of that one um 
Hobbs is beating Christian against the ropes. Uh, it's a mistake on his part as Christian kind of uses Hobbs being up on the ropes to hit the power bomb. Frog splash from Christian for the two count. Christian goes for a sleeper, but Hobbs battles out. But then Christian kind of, you know, reversed into the kill switch for a win that felt a little unearned for me because really the only offense that Hobbs kind of, big bad Hobbs kind of ate during this match was the frog splash and then the kill switch. And to truth be told, he really didn't look that battered after the frog splash. So it was like, it was pretty much a one, a one move victory for me, which is, which is the downside of you're booking somebody, when you book somebody to look strong and lose, and you're booking someone to dominate the entire match but still lose it. You think you're you think you're putting over the little guy. You think you're putting over both of them. You're putting over the little guy by giving him the win, and you're putting over the big guy by having him dominate the match. It's not really that simple because then the little guy gets one or two moves in and that keeps the big guy down. So you unless you go with a surprise victory, which they probably should have done like a surprise roll-up, then you're just making it look like you can beat him with like one or two good moves. Do you know what I mean? So anyway. Liam, thoughts on this match? Uh, one of the matches I was quite excited for because it's a match if you told me even six months ago like you were going to see this match, I'd put you in a psychiatric ward. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I, I was, it's a complete different clash of styles, but to echo what Jack and yourself said, um, I do feel that Christian Cage is very limited in his own moveset, but he is really good at pulling off reversals. And the it's that WWE, WWE kind of indoctrination, I suppose, of the everyone gets the four moves of doom. He's kind of, I don't know, he, may, he might not have the the greatest kind of moveset in the world. Yeah. The, uh, the vastest agreed. kind of moveset in the world, should I say, the kind of widest. And I liked the uh, finish of the match as well, where it's uh, Hobbs' inexperience and competence that ultimately cost him the match, because obviously it was him yeah. having the taunt when he had the Christian on the shoulders, which led to the kill switch or... Be on prettier, as I prefer to call it, being a mark. Or the Impaler. That was back in the day. I don't remember that. When was no, that? you wouldn't, because that was before your time. That was uh, actually Christian was the Impaler. Ah, fair. Then, okay. There's the Impaler, and then I think it was the Kill Switch in TNA, was it? And then the Imprettier when he was back in WWE. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. He's had so many moves. I, I wish they'd given it another one just to make it the meme of just renaming it all the fucking time. <laughs> Next up. What was next up? Next up, we had a promo from Jade Cargill, which was alluded to earlier in the night. Um, she's saying everyone wants her in their stable. We hear from quote-unquote everyone, which was just Matt Hardy and Vicky Guerrero. Um, maybe they'll air more of these week in, week out, and we'll get different stable leaders. But uh, to be honest, I thought Matt Hardy and Vicky Guerrero were pretty affiliated at this point with uh, how they've, you know, they made a couple of appearances together, but you know, their their respective crews. And by crew with Vicky Guerrero, it's not much of a crew. It's, it's Nyla Rose. It's one person. She's a manager. I don't know why... I don't get Vicious Vixens. Sorry, no, we're supposed to pretend we love Vicious Vixens. Hold on. I really get Vicious Vixens. It's so cool how they're a stable of just one person. Uh, and that totally makes sense. And Vicky Guerrero is totally not just Nyla Rose's manager masquerading as a stable. Um, Liam, uh, thoughts on Nyla Rose... Thoughts on who she might join if she joins the faction. She said someone will have to make her a really good offer. Uh, yeah, what's going to happen with that? She says she doesn't need a faction, but you know, if someone comes in with the right offer, surely it's big money, Matt. If it's uh, if if it's financial offers, she's she's after. Um, to be honest, I don't. If I if I if she has to go with a faction or a stable, I for some reason I've got a gut feeling she's going to go in the pinnacle. Yeah. Which. 
suits her. That I think fits, it suits them honestly, as well. Yeah. yeah. I do think, um, I do think the Vicious uh, Vixens also kind of suits her as a tag team. But one, unless they're really dedicating to crossing over more with Impact, there's no real opponents for a female tag team in AEW because there's no women's tag division. And two... Um, uh, What's two? I've forgotten. That's my main point. <laughs> to know, to to um, it's the fact that they had Vicky Guerrero addressing it in the first place. In pro wrestling, logic generally means it's not going to happen. So I could see the pinnacle as well. Same. The only other thing I think of regarding a manager, obviously, Team pinnacle. Does. It'd be Tony Blanchard. Uh, maybe. Or the only other thing I think of if there's someone else that they maybe bring into AW to have manager who's done with wrestling. Uh, I don't know who that'd be who's recently retired. Maybe Jazz, because I know she's recently retired from Impact. Yeah. So, oh, thanks for spoiling me. that, because she had a title versus retirement match, and I haven't watched it yet. Don't worry about uh, it. Whoops, sorry. Uh, <laughs> oops, sorry about that. Uh, yes, no, on. I figured right, she was going but, to, to be honest with you. And the only thing... Uh, I'm seeing this from Reddit. I didn't, haven't come up with this idea at all, but someone on Reddit said it, and now I want Reddit it to happen. And it's Jay Cargill to have her own group with Chelsea Green and the Iconics. And that'd be, that'd now that that's been yeah. put out into the world, I really want to see it happen because I just think it'd be brilliant. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, she doesn't need a fight. Here's the thing like, this, I, I say this all the time, but I'm going to reiterate it now. If they're going to do factions in AEW, I want them to do factions. I don't want them to just have like. I don't want them to just have everyone seems to join a faction and yet factions aren't a core aspect of the product. Like, make factions, like New Japan Pro Wrestling, make factions a core component of the product to the point where it's just expected someone will join a faction when they join AEW. Do you know what I mean? Just like it's expected someone will join a faction when they join New Japan. Have, you know, really drill home the faction warfare aspect have their faction logo come up on their nameplate as they come out just like like do it or don't do it but don't just fucking like you know like half ass it don't like i don't know i uh I'd, I'd like to i'd like to see them commit to factions or have less faction either have less everyone needing a manager shit or go harder and just commit to it and like but i just don't i just don't like the kind of dilly dallying to be honest with you Next up, well, next up, it was our main event of the evening. Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy for the TNT title, voted for by the fans. Apparently, I missed that vote uh, for Jungle Boy to face Darby Allen. Um, first off, Darby Allen's makeup is amazing. Second off, what did you think of this match, Jack? Uh, I'll tell you what, I loved it. Um, I got clickbaited with this as well, so I went into... Um, so yeah, I don't really want to. I mean, I mean, we're a review, and by the time people we get this out, people have seen the match anyway. So I'm going to do it anyway. Um, yeah, I got clickbaited by AW, and I'm not proud of it. So I woke up this morning, went on my phone, but I didn't. I normally go on my phone like very half-assed. Like if I see immediately something's posted by AW, I immediately just skim past. So I'd never normally get spoiled. They up, decided to upload their YouTube clip. Which I firstly think stupid because clearly people in the UK haven't seen it yet. It's clearly Thursday morning, so it's dumb. Um, and and uh, the first thing that I saw um, said, "And new TNT." So I immediately thought, 
fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. And I was so hyped and I was so ready to watch this, right? And then, and, and it, throughout the whole match, I was like, when's it going to happen? When's it happen? I was so ready. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Darby goes and wins it. I hear his music and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm fuming. <laughs> I'm, and I'm like, surely not, surely. Uh, and they put a new TNT. I was like, what? I was like, surely, like, surely they're going to call it back and maybe he won it at some point in the match. And, they, and then, because obviously... <laughs> It'll happen. It'll yeah. still happen. And, and then obviously clearly... <laughs> Gripping sh- your little jungle yeah. boy plushie, <laughs> like with your dinosaur mask on. <laughs> but no, and then obviously the, the show ended. I was like, wait, so what happened? So I went back on YouTube to see what the new... Um, the notification was and it said and new TNT champion question mark can Jungle Boy do it it's like, and I was like you motherfuckers I was That's like dirty. it That's was dirty. it was but it completely threw me off um, so yeah so I think that was worth mentioning but no in terms of the actual match taking it for what it was i tell you what a lot more impressed with Derby this week I think hopefully you boys agree it wasn't slightly as much... more impressed with Derby on my yeah. part I don't think as it, it was as much a um, Derby squash and then him get a uh, win dramatically or um, I don't feel like he was um, over, like I don't think he was overly punished too much so that if he like you know pulled up from the pin um, that it, it you know wasn't unrealistic I think this was a, a this was an actual you know realistic match and everything that was took did feel realistic um, throughout the flow of the match I thought it was really fast paced I enjoyed it these two for me wrestling wise have great chemistry I thought they flow really well they got a similar, a similar sort of feel to them but different in the same way Jungle Boy to me being a lot more um, technical and Derby being a bit more you know Derby <laughs> um, and yeah no just thoroughly enjoyed it um, I knew I would I knew equally like Hikaru Shida versus Take On he had big fight feel um, and yeah and because of that clickbait I went into it thinking it was the the um, that it was going to change hands and it didn't and I, I did come out of it feeling a bit gutted because I'm thinking who's going to take it off him but I always then reevaluate and Jungle Boy's only 23 and he's a class wrestler. I have no doubt that within the next year two, he will take it. He will have his time. Um, sometimes you don't you don't want to push them too soon, you know, because mm. it could be the downfall of them. As I think it, like maybe has been for Derby a little bit. But I no. think I think Jungle Boy has all the markings of a future Kenny yeah. Omega. To be honest with you, yeah, his style. I, I love Just him. Yeah, work, work on the mic and yeah, you know, I think refine he's his style a little bit, but yeah, and and he's and he's got himself in you know all the title pictures. He could be tag champ with Luchasaurus, could have TNT, could have world champ. It will be his time, I don't think. Um, but now I'm looking forward to see who can take it off Darby because now I've got clickbait like that. Who will end this undefeatable f- title it's reign? Like, apparently, it's like if you're old enough to remember South Park season one. Who is Eric Cartman's father? Who will? Is the way you said that. And Darby Allen's title reign. Nope, just me. I'm 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 old. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think Jungle Boy will really be the litmus test for whether AEW can kind of develop talent on the same scale as other companies because he is the kind of guy that would thrive in other companies. Um, so if they drop the ball on Jungle Boy and he doesn't become what we expect him to be in the ring, then blame QT Marshall. He's a he's a trainer there, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I'll just give you the rundown, and then we'll come to Liam. So, first off, Darby Allen's makeup was amazing today. Um, I think he's got a proper kind of 
spray paint uh, the likes that Finn Balor has now uh, backstage. He must he must have to sit for a while. Um, or it might just be for title matches. Anyway, I thought maybe a draw was incoming on this one, like a time limit draw because of the TV time remaining and because how both guys are so over. But as Jack said, it wasn't that way. After a bit of an awkward start, Derby kind of locked in the front transfer for the beginning of the kind of technical section of the match that is at the beginning of a lot of AEW matches. But it was it was a couple of minutes before they even seemed to lock up. You know, it seemed anyway. Um, actions went outside and spilled over the barricade. Derby's knee looked buggered pretty much immediately. Um, Jungle Boy got a one count when it was uh, when it went back in and. Uh, immediately clobbered Darby with a brutal elbow. Um, Darby sold it like he died for a two count. So Darby, at this point, this is the problem. Darby's already taken a one count and then a two count. It's like, where can you go from here? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, Darby fights back briefly, but Jungle Boy brings it back and climbs a turnbuckle. His uh, momentum doesn't last for long as Darby puts him down uh, for the superplex. Um, match kind of speeds up. I think this is probably after after a commercial break. Darby got hit with a belly-to-belly into the post. Jungle Boy hit a German suplex with a bridge before a nice Tiger suplex also with a bridge. Uh, Darby hit the stunner for a two. Really nice body scissors from Jungle Boy, and I've I've been. It was kind of a jungle. It was kind of a body scissors hurricanrana, and I've seen people online thinking this might have been a botch, but the general consensus seems to be. But fuck it, it looked really cool. So <laughs> maybe it was a botch, but uh, like he should keep doing it if it was. Um, Jungle Boy, and this is when Jungle Boy started to get hyped, and this is the kind of thing, the kind of explosivity that I also see in Tay Conte, that I could see Jungle Boy becoming the uh, a future kind of Kenny Omega. Hit three topes in a row, the last being of the Con Hero variety. Uh, this, you know, the, the back and forth outside went on a bit until... Darby Allen hit the coffin drop on the apron brutal spot. Again, this is when the match kind of picked up for me. Um, Luchasaurus helped Jungle Boy into the ring. Sting was not happy with that and Sting and Luchasaurus threw down. Sting is very brave. That is a dinosaur and a PhD. Um, Jungle Boy hit a series of moves ending with a snare trap, getting uh, Darby in the snare trap. Then did a beautiful uh, Romero special and was really fucking Darby up and then got him back into the snare trap. Um... Allen gouged uh, Darby Allen gouged the eyes to escape, which was again. This was a this was a show of faces acting heel. That was, that was the theme today. Um, Jungle Boy was started desperately striking Allen, like it like it exhausted all his moves. You know, he'd even tried repeating moves. This is this is when see this is what I loved. This is when I started really liking this match. Was when Jungle Boy was like pounding away at him like what do i have to do like they were selling it in a way that matt hardy didn't and uh then he went for the sunset flip but darby locked in the apparently it's called the last supper uh pin for the win i will say love seeing pin finishers because they are so rare the only other one i know of is that orange cassidy one and i haven't seen him do it in yonks then again i haven't seen orange cassidy single match in yonks so maybe he still does um after the match scorpio sky and ethan page start beating down darby uh, Lance Archer comes out to make the save and uh, and he gets double low blowed um, by by Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and then Sting comes back out for the save on Archer. Bloody called it that they'd be allies. I think it was Patrick last week telling me that they'd be enemies. I said, no, no, no. That's not how it's going to go down and look at me now. Um, yeah, um, I will say I thought this match started hitting the emotional notes far too late. I really only really got invested in the match 
as 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 decent and passable as it was when Jungle Boy started throwing those desperate strikes, and then thirty seconds later it was over. So I was like, oh, and and I get it. That's probably a TV limitation aspect. Like if this was on a pay per view and they let this go an extra an extra ten minutes, then I think it could have been a blinder. As it stands, wasn't my match of the night, but a a decent match nonetheless. Liam, thoughts? Uh, again, to echo what you were saying, I do feel that it. Not sure that, but I think it like may could have been a time limit draw because it keeps both of them looking strong. Because obviously yeah. they're both well, Darby isn't really homegrown AW talent, but you know they're both invest they're investing in their younger talent and having them have the big main event. And they obviously you know well, um, Anthony Agogo is technically the only homegrown AEW talent so far he's he's AEW's first developmental wrestler obviously Jungle Boy was at places like GCW before so um, but I get what you mean I get what you mean he's he's not uh, like Darby was quite big and evolved wasn't he so also um, this isn't relevant at all but it's just popped up on my phone so I'm telling you anyway if you want to cut this out then feel free AEW well, cutting all one. of your stuff out don't worry about it <laughs> AEW's done uh, 1 million uh, four viewers amazing so, and we'll talk about decrease, this but it's over a million again but if you want to save that to the end we can obviously oh, oh yes we will talk about it um, okay. continue sir on your uh, yeah, I, match. again I feel that this match is one of them that years down the line it's going to be a world title match uh, and a big AEW event 100% like maybe that's three four five years whoever uh, but yeah I do think hopefully, they have it hopefully 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 in three, four, five years, Darby Allen will have shaken the team Taz stank off him. I hope so. I really hope so. But I think that they have a world beater of a match in them. Obviously, that wasn't this match. I do think they'll have better bouts against each other in the future. But it was a very good TV match. And I feel we can kind of see the rawness in them both. But obviously, they're both young. That will eventually go out of them over the years as they carry on to wrestle. Because another thing that I loved about this match as well, it felt like there was a lot left, and it made you want to see another match between them both. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, well, I suppose that plays into what I said about. I was like, that wasn't done. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe that's the feeling they wanted you to leave with it. I didn't think they went around about it the right way by, like I said, hitting those emotional notes with Jungle Boy getting so desperate so late on because I was like, oh, I'm into this now. Do you know what I mean? I'm emotionally invested now. And it's like, oh, it's over. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, and with a pin finisher was what put him down as well, which, like I said, we don't see a lot of them. They've named it. So we will see more of it in the future. I guess it's another it's another tool for Derby to just, um, you know, win matches that he's got the shit kicked out of him during if he's hitting a finisher pin then you know it adds some weight to uh to his surprise wins i guess but that uh that brings us to the end of our show shall we shall we uh shall we discuss what our matches of the night were or well first off let's get the negatives out of the way my shocker of the week i think i've alluded to to it already it won't be uh qt versus uh i can't even remember who he faced now billy gunn it will be uh jr's uh, horrible kayfabe break so <laughs> match of the night boys uh, again we'll go guess actually no we won't go guess first we won't guess first at the beginning of the show I've missed Jack Jack wasn't here last week Jack first what was your match of the night I think arguably you could sp- split it up between three um, I think Hangman Ricky Starks you could have a shout for I think uh, Hikaru Shida and Take Conti you could have a shout for and I think you could have a shout for the main event I think 
for the fact I got clickbaited, that threw me off more, so I don't think I'll give it to the main event. I think this week I'm going to give it to the ladies again. I'm, I'm feeling it's ladies it's here night for the girls. And, uh, oh, we went for different songs. Mine's not even about girls. Mine's for the boys. <laughs> um, yeah, take on T versus Hikaru Shida for me. All right, Liam, how about you? Uh, mine is also take on T versus Hikaru Shida just because of the sheer unpredictability Careful. of it. <laughs> it's you it's unanimous. It's uh that is also mine, Take on T versus Hikarushida. Take on T versus Hikarushida, followed by Darby versus yeah. uh Jungle Boy, followed by um Hangman Page versus Ricky Starks. I'll tell you what might be interesting to look at, see how many of our episodes so far the women's have won, because I I'd be I'd be surprised if it wasn't I think that we've our match of the nights have mainly been women's matches when it they have been, you know, on the card yeah, yeah I think yeah um, yeah unless it's like a Jade Gargle squash match or mm. something but yeah um, Jack would you like to take the reins on Patrick I mean obviously he usually does it during the show but you know would you like to uh, I know how much you want your own segment would you like to take over Patrick's duties of heel moment of the week oh crikey right let me just pause oh on the spot it. you weren't expecting this let me pause my heel moment of the week, I've got between two. I'm going to do a heel moment of the week for someone who is an actual heel and a heel moment for the week for someone when you weren't expecting it. So the one um, which doesn't really count, the, that you know, isn't really the heel moment of the week, but Hikaru Shida with her heelish sort of attitude Good towards Take Onti would be, you know, the one that, you know, is a bit unexpected. And I'm going to go for heel moment of the week, MJS shots towards Chris Jericho. Oh, so I thought you were going to go for Hikaru Shida then. You, you're going through MJF's shots on Chris Jericho, yeah? Yeah, I was going to Hikaru Shida for the one. Like, Hikaru Shida's not really my heel moment of the week, but I did think she had heelish weight. Notable, notable mention. Yes. Um, but no, heel moment of the week will go MJF's shots at Chris Jericho. Well, this is perfect because our soundbite that we used for heel moment of the week was originally Mesa Ruga reacting to MJF. So take it away, May. God damn me. Mace Ruger, in fact, some say is the same as May St. Michelle, who just won the TJP uh, Princess Tag Team Championships. I don't, was that one that you watched with me, Liam? Yes, I think. I think so. I, I think, think it all blends so, yeah. as one when you watch with me because, you know, you just does, tune in for yeah. the, uh, the, the... It doesn't for me. It's very distinct for me. I, I'm going to get you into it. Um, we'll talk about it in less, in less important shows, but yeah. Uh, that was our heel moment of the week and that's our dynamite review Uh, we will be looking at next week's card right about now I can do next week's card for you Tom I've got it right here all prepped Brian Cage with Taz and Ricky Starks versus Handman Page Cage versus Page we've wanted to see it it's here right this one's weirded me out because I remember them saying it apparently it's a tag team eliminator tournament match AW World Tag Team Champions the Young Bucks versus Matt and Mike Seidel how the fuck have they owned owned that I have no idea Um, Inner Circle and the Pinnacle the Parlay is taking place next week Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy versus Penelope Ford with the return of Kip Sabian. Penelope Ford. That's what you said, that. Penelope Penelope Ford. (laughs) Um, A trios match, the Nightmare Family versus the Factory with Anthony Agogo. And, I mean, I can't... Is he part of the Nightmare Factory? Yeah, so I don't know why they... Uh, Anyway. And Penta El Zero Miedo with Alex Abrahantes versus Orange Cassidy with Trent. With Trent? There you go. <laughs> and that is next week's card, boys. 
What are we excited for the most, Liam? Has to be Penta versus Orange Cassidy. And Yumbox vs Side Albers, obviously that will be a good match, but we've seen it already, I think, on more than one occasion in different variations of it as well. But again yeah, that should be not good. hyped to see the side Albros. <laughs> I don't I even I, even not, a match with Young Bucks. I mean it should be Bucks. good. It should be good. Like you said, it and they'll be able to put on a good match together. It'll be a solid match. But in terms of storyline implications, it's very one-sided, you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. you know, yeah, I think I agree with you about uh, Orange Cassidy. Um, excited to see Chris Statlander in action again. I, I'm excited to see all the members of the Best Friends, although I think tonight's match did not really do anything for them. It didn't... Trent, Trent looked good, but it didn't really do anything for the red-hot momentum. It didn't take away from it, but it didn't really add anything to the kind of... Uh, how red hot the the best friends feel right now, at least to me. And I really hope they don't lose that momentum they had off the back of Arcade Anarchy. Um, because, you know, like I said, tonight did nothing for it. I'm hoping next week does more. Jack? Um, yeah, I was going to... If we're going based on actual matches, because I think everyone's excited for this parlay, um, I'm going to go with Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. I, do, I, I have let it be known before in the podcast that I am a fan of Penelope Ford. And Chris Statlander as well. It's great to see her back. And, you know, the more Chris Statlander we get, the more of the alien. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's, you know, seeing as we've given so many matches of the nights to um, the, the girls, why not make it the most hyped for next week? I'm excited to see what more they can do for us. I'm excited to see who uses uh, Where Is My Mind, if anyone. <laughs> well, <OG's laughs> like, because there's three... There's, well, there's, there's, there's matches from... Uh, yeah, there's matches from Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, and Trent. No, Trent, so, um, Trent is with Orange Cassidy. Oh, Trent is Trent is with Orange Cassidy. Yeah, okay, there you go. Well, then that won't be. Uh, I mean, we saw him have an entrance tonight, didn't we? So, go. but we'll see if Chris Statlander's still using it at any rate. Mm. Right, one last thing to do, guys, and that is. That is right. It is less important shows. Uh, Jack, you probably watched no other wrestling this week, did you? I have actually. Been a busy boy. I said, to, I said to Liam, I have nothing that was aired this week. It was well, not old well, wrestling. Shut me a couple up. Of weeks. I, I I said to Liam anyway, because um, I think maybe last time I recorded, I'm not too sure actually. I watched basically night one of NXT's um, uh, WrestleMania shows, but I never watched Stand night two. Stand and deliver. Yes, and I finally got around to watching night two. Um, highlight being Adam Cole, baby versus Carlo Riley. Um, yeah, great match for that me, that one. And I watched the Finn Balor match um, against Karrion Cross, And I was impressed with both, to be fair. I don't often watch WWE products, but I thought, you know what? Everyone always sings the praises of NXT. Why not give it a go? And I've got to say, I was impressed. And with night one, with Io Shirai um, versus Raquel Gonzalez and Walter versus Champa. See, I'm already knowing the wrestlers. That was with the assistance of Liam earlier when you weren't here. Um, but nah, yeah, so NXT I'm kind of jumping on a little bit. Not, not you know, not fully committed, but the odd match here and there. I think I've just got, I love Britt Baker and I love Adam Cole. So I think I'm just going to support Adam Cole in all his ventures. And you're still not watch Spring Break on my recommendation. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Liam, you and me have watched some wrestling, haven't we? Some wrestling from Japan. Yes, I can't remember... Of the Toshi Tokyo Joshi the, variety? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the event, but I think it was a 
Uh, that's it. Yeah, uh, good show. Still incomplete. To go on what we've mentioned was previously. The it's one of them. Yeah, that was it. It's a. Uh, yeah, me and Liam checked out a little wrestling from uh, from our girls in Japan, specifically Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, the Still Incomplete show where Makito uh, faced Rika Tatsumi for the Princess of Princess titles as well as the Max Hart tournament winners. Let me see if I can say their full tag team name, which is Neo B Shiki Gun, which is May St. Michelle a.k.a. Mesa and Saki Sama, a.k.a. Saki Akai from DDT fame. Uh, and they were up against the Bakaretsu sisters uh, for the titles. Yeah, they were the they were the two standout matches of the night. Uh, Liam, do you remember anything from it? Or do we just all blend it into one jo- Joshi blur of frills and cat girls for you? Yes, I don't remember much of the show other than the fact Fuck that... You. And then the fact that it just flew by, which obviously it shows was it was a good event. Yeah. It's a really fun event, yeah. I'd like to, speaking of like Japanese wrestling, especially women's wrestling as well, I still want to try to get in slash and start watching Stardom on a regular because I hear nothing but good things. And a lot of really talented wrestlers have obviously come from Stardom. So I do want to start watching that as well. You guys are breaking my heart tonight. Like I'm like, Jack, watch Spring Break. And Jack's like, oh, watch Stand and Deliver from the same weekend. I'm like, oh, Liam, watch watch TJPW. I'd really like to get into stardom. Like, <laughs> Can you not like both? I'll just go fist myself, I guess. No, but like... <laughs> You can't like both, or you can, but like you can't like when I'm like, oh, get into this. You're like, hmm, I wonder what the alternatives like. It's not really good optics for me, to be honest. Um, yeah, there was also the international princess title match between Yuki Kamafuku uh, against Nao Kakuta. I don't know if I can pronounce the name very well, but um, yeah, I think Yuki's a bit overrated. That her English is very good, which I think is why she gets pushed. Anyway, um, yeah. Really good match. Uh, I suppose we'll just we'll just uh, cut for time and talk about the main event. Uh, oh, the tag team titles did change hands, by the way. So Mason Michelle and Saki Sama are your princess tag team champions. Uh, the Princess of Princess title match, though, Maki Ito versus Rika Tatsumi. This was great. I love the storytelling in this match. I love they really sold Makito and her iron head versus uh, Rika Tatsumi has the the diamond hip. She does the hip, uh, you know, like the rear view like Naomi does or, um, yeah, the butt attack essentially, but they always have to say hip. Um, And they had this kind of battle to see who had the kind of the harder body part. Um, and it works really well. And what I really like about about TJPW and and DDT is they can do silly stuff, but they can make it feel really believable in a way that kind of gets me more immersed, like the Attitude Era does, than all this kind of trying to make it so realistic that it's meta that you're kind of acknowledging wrestling's fake, like they sometimes do in AEW. I honestly kind of prefer it. I honestly, funnily enough, people are like, how can you get into blah blah blah? You know, they're like, how it breaks immersion when. Kurobushi's wrestling a, a a blow up sex doll, and it's like I, I can get into it more. I I I like like watching any other kind of comedy and action blended show. I could get into that and believe that this sex doll is sentient. That breaks my immersion less than someone constantly reminding me wrestling is fake with the wink wink nudge nudge like they sometimes do in AEW. So I'm really into uh, TJPW and DDT at the moment, and people should check it out. 
they may also check out stardom if they really want to but check out tjpw and ddt that just about brings us to the end of our show it's been lovely having you again liam i thought we were going to play, play some sort of prank on jack but that seems to have fallen by the wayside I, i'm gonna be honest i completely forgot all about that now so yeah he never even told me what it was yeah, because you didn't reply to my message. I just thought you just didn't care. You were like, yeah, fuck you, Liam. And this went back to watching Japanese wrestling. So I just... I actually, I literally was watching Japanese wrestling when of course he you tried was. to get me on board. <laughs> of course. I was, I was re-watching a match I'd already seen. It was Chris Brooks versus Shunma for the uh, DDT Extreme title at Daydream Believer. Quality match. Go watch it. It's a... Uh, this This will get you into DDT. Sorry, just quickly. So the, the match at the event before that, which was, I think it was uh, Into the Fight, um, Shunma... Katsuyama, I think his surname is, versus Mao. They had a match in a kids' room match um, where all the weapons had to be something you'd find in a kids' room. So they were hitting each other. They were obviously Lego was involved and uh, there was a train set people were getting thrown into. They were doing party poppers into each other's mouths. Um, and uh, there, was a, there was a baseball bat covered in Lego. And there was also a stipulation because their, uh, their, their stable is called... Their stable mates and friends and their stable is called 37 Kamiina. And... Uh, and if you got to 37 pin counts, you also won, even if you didn't get the three. Um, so that added to the excitement. And then the, the, the same extreme title match uh, at Daydream Believer, Shunma versus Chris Brooks, was a barbed wire coffin match. You had to get your opponent into a, into a, bar, into a coffin full of barbed wire. So that's pe- I think that's piqued up Jack's interest. Look at that. And uh, Chris Brooks was victorious. So he's the new DDT Extreme Champion. I'll get you into it yet. I swear. Sounds good, doesn't it, Jack? It does. Barbed wire coffin, that sounds right on my street. It does right up your your little tight street. <laughs> Don't put that in. <laughs> Don't put that in. Put it in. Okay. Do it. How are we ended it? Okay. Liam, how uh how 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 are we gonna bully Jack? Sorry, not bully prank. Well, I'd rather not say, so I can save it for a future time. I'm invited on the podcast. To be Good honest. idea. Good idea. Let him live in constant fear. That's what I say. Yes. Like that yeah. How I Met Your Mother episode with the slaps. Or yeah, the I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, thank you all for joining us. Take care. I I always try to do a sign off. You've listened to this before. I I always mix up. I, just played a song last week i played some ojo's old entrance music there is no consistency to how i sign off so i'm just going to shirk my responsibility um like jr shirks his responsibility for putting over wrestlers in favor of uh just shitting on the product and let liam sign off for me uh so put you on the spot say something say something witty liam say something witty to say goodbye to everybody that's not gonna get uh, cancelled yeah say so do you really want to trust me with this Say something witty that's not going to... I'll just get you to re-record it. <laughs> Say something witty that's not going to get us cancelled. Uh, God, I really have been put on the spot here. Look how hard it is for me every week. So, I'm going to end this with a joke. I'm ready. Well, my maths teacher fell down the stairs last week while he was carrying a bunch of books about probability. I guess you could say the odds were stacked against him. <laughs> <laughs>